and welcome to Faith FM. You are listening right across Australia on 87.6, 87.8 or 88 on the Faith FM network. Or maybe you're somewhere across the world on the internet. We don't know. But what we do know is that we're sitting here in the studio and you are joined by Lawson and... Charissa. Charissa, <laughs> great to have you on the show. Oh, it's good to be here. And if I was asleep before, I'd be awake now after <laughs> a good morning like that. <laughs> that's, good. that's what we need. It's, hey, it's we early. Do. It's Absolutely. Monday. People need to... To, to wake up, get some fire in their veins. I got it now. And I hope, I hope that, you know, I, I don't know how, uh, how late the call was to get onto radio. I hope you had sufficient time I to. I had time to get myself in bed to get up early. Oh, awesome. Of course, Lyle, uh, is not joining us this morning. He is, um, out in whoop whoop, uh, scavenging media equipment or something, you know, just, just Lyle things that he does. What are you grateful for this morning, Sharissa? I am grateful for the little things mm-hmm. and little things like, I don't know, this sounds really, really little, but mm-hmm. we did a Kmart run yesterday, my husband and I, and it was so much fun. So I'm grateful for the little things. How good is Kmart? <laughs> I went to Kmart yesterday. Did you? Yeah. It might have been in the same one. <laughs> I wouldn't have known though, because I had my mask on. So. Oh, true, true, true. <laughs> but it was a blessing. Dude, I just had like such a classic Sunday. It was my friend's birthday. Uh-huh. And so we went go-karting in the morning and then we went to Katara, which is like our Westfield here in Newcastle is Westfield and Katara. So you go to, to, to Westfield Katara and you go to the restaurants and you eat lunch and then go shopping in the afternoon and Bit go home and chill out <laughs> and watch the F1. And I, it was just such a, such a chill, relaxed day. It was awesome. That's the kind of day you need from time to time. Yeah, 100%. But it was also the classic thing. We're in Katara and like there's three, me and two of my friends walking around. And then we see like a group of four people that we know. Then we see a couple more people that we know. And we're like, man, what's going on? How do we know everyone in Westfield? <laughs> <laughs> You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, let's have a look at some positively different news this morning. Oh, it's my segment. Yeah, yeah, it is. Well, I've got some exciting news for us. And the first one is an amazing story from five days ago in Mm. Sri Lanka. Oh, wow. Okay. The world's largest sapphire cluster was found in a man's backyard. Uh, And the reason they found it was because he had someone come in and dig a well for him in his home. And and they stumbled upon this amazingly large sapphire. It's worth up to $100 million in the international market. Weighs around 510 kilos and it's uh, 2.5 million carats. It's been named the Serendipity Sapphire. Man, that is... Well, that is such an ironic... That's amazing. But, man... Oh, I'm like, I need to get some plumbing done at home. Okay, because I'm not very familiar with, like, precious stones. And I'm, I'm like, oh, Sapphire, are they, like, you know, because it's, like, precious stones, like, like amethyst and stuff, and they look pretty, but they're so common and they're not really worth yeah. much. But this is worth $100 million. million. Yes. Isn't that incredible? That is insane. And even as they were cleaning the stone, as they had mm-hmm. found it, um, they said that some parts of the stone fell out of the cluster. And as they fell out, they were just of such high-quality star sapphires. So, an incredible So, I, I, I'm hoping that all this money goes to this, like, <laughs> single too. person. No, I hope that they do something generous with it or whatever it may be. But I could, I could definitely see a, a situation in there where it's like, Oh, you found it in your backyard, but we're the experts, and so we take the stone and all the money. But yeah, well, we'll have to keep watching the space, eh? <laughs> <laughs> see what happens. Yeah. Oh, dude, what a find! Yeah, absolutely. 
Absolutely. The other thing I thought was pretty good is we were talking a little bit about this just before we went live, mm. but Australia in the Olympics. Yes. We're doing pretty well. We are killing it. Like, yeah. I, compared to the last, in 2016, we had a pretty disappointing run in the Olympics. It was the first Olympics in uh, like 30 years or something that we hadn't claimed an individual gold medal, at least in the swimming, which is definitely mm-hmm. like, that's our sport, you know, yeah. uh, for us in the United States. But we're, we're in like fourth on the tally at the moment. That's incredible. Fourteen gold medals, mm. just ten behind China, on who's sitting on twenty-four. Yeah, with like a one percent of the population. <laughs> <laughs> so we're, we're doing heaps well. <laughs> and actually, something incredible did happen in the Olympics just oh, recently. Wow. It's not. I don't think it involves Australia, but it doesn't matter. It's a good story. Mm. The high jump ended with a joint winner for the first time ever. So two guys are going to share the gold. Okay. Oh. Um, uh, did they like get the same height and couldn't? It just says recording the best jump ever by. Oh, you know what? Let me just read the article because I don't want to get it all wrong. And everybody's <laughs> like, "Wait a minute!" So Brandon Stark has finished fifth in the men's high jump according to the best jump ever by an Australian at an Olympic Games. Well done, mm. as Mutas Basham and Giano Marco Tamberi. Sorry about those names. I probably didn't say them right. Agreed to share the gold. It's the first time the gold medal has been shared in the men's high jump, which has been a fixture at every modern Olympics since 1896. Mm-hmm. The pair couldn't be split through the final, making their first jump jump at every level up to 2.37 meters. When they failed to clear the next one above that, 2.39, they were informed by officials that they could share gold rather okay. than have a jump off. Yeah, because that's usually what they do. Yeah. And I feel like, especially going to the Olympics, there's a lot of pride there. You'd be like, all right, all right, <laughs> let's let's get this done. You know, yeah. like it's late in the night. We're going to sh- see who's the best jumper. But they're like, oh, no, let's let's share the gold. And they're happy about it. Good for them. They, they hugged and they were so happy. I would That's be pretty stoked to walk away from the Olympics with a gold medal. Me too. Even if it was shared with someone else. I'd be <laughs> like, listen, you know, you know, as, as, the, as the classic song goes, we are the champions. <laughs> and you just walk away. Oh, dude, that's amazing. Yeah. yeah oh, I, I love the Olympic season. I love that we get to talk about it while Lyle's not here. Lyle's, oh, he doesn't Lyle like the Olympics. He really doesn't like Actually, it. Actually, I remember him saying that. Yeah. Yeah, but but he's not here today. But he's not here. So, so we're here. talking about so it. So we get to talk about it. And, of course, we're, we're seeing amazing things happen in, in Australia. Like, we're doing really good in our individual medals. We've got some really good um, relay medals as well. This is, like, just in, in all the sports that we've got, like, team medals and mm-hmm. different things. Um, I believe oh, – I saw one of my friends post on Facebook. He's, he was upset that we didn't do well. I think it was water polo. We were, like, doing really well and we ended up losing – on uh, Saturday night, I did put the Olympics on, and Lyle had a little, <laughs> <laughs> and then, and then, on, he, and then he watched it with me because we watched the um, soccer game, mm. Australia versus England. Oh, it was so good! Yeah, <laughs> it was so good. That's actually that's another thing, dude. It's... A seven point game. Yeah, so, wow. yeah. So wow. Australia four and them three. It was pretty good. Amazing. You're listening to the Breakfast Show podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, let's have a look at some current news right around the world. So I did say we were going to talk about the overturning of Roe versus Wade or the potential overturning of Roe versus Wade. Uh, We're going to talk about the the Biden administration. Um, But before we do, I wanted to just briefly cover real quickly. um, Over the last couple of weeks, we have seen a number of... uh, anti-lockdown demonstrations and protests in Australia. We had one on Sunday well as well. And now um, here on Faith FM, we 
covered them briefly, gave some opinions on them, um, had some uh, minor backlash from that, some people mm. kind of calling us out and saying, hey, they don't, well, because I, I covered this last Monday mm-hmm. and I said that I thought, you know, I, I, I kind of shared my disapproval for the protest from the perspective that the behavior in the protest wasn't good. Um, and then someone called me out and was like, oh, you, you can't put down the COVID protesters. You know, we should stand for liberty and freedom. All things that I agree with. But the pro- and the person said in their text message, oh, you know, like I don't condone bad behavior, you know, or violence. But that was the exact thing that we were condemning when we were talking about those protesters. You know, that, that, that viral photo got out of the guy punching the horse and there was yeah. just lots of aggressive behavior. And, and that was the problem with the protest. And if anything, it just extended the lockdown, mm. uh, which was really, really sad. Um, and unfortunately, this trend of, you know, n- uh, non-peaceful protesting has continued. I'm, I'm very sure that there are those standing for um, freedoms and liberties in a peaceful way, you know, as as their conscience has, has um, commanded them to. And I, I'm fully for their right to do right. that. Yeah. Um, but, yeah, just over the weekend, we had some more demonstrations on on. Saturday and Sunday. I missed that. Uh, um, it was it was a little bit more low key. Uh huh. Um, but yeah, according to this this article that I read this morning, basically, um, yeah, police were assaulted trying to enforce public health orders um, when a particular gathering was kind of encroached upon by police for breaking public health orders. Essentially, like a. a bunch of people in Oakhurst down in Sydney were having a party um, on Saturday afternoon. Uh, it was a bunch of men like drinking in a garage, um, you know, and, and partying. And the police show up and like they just get violent. And, and you know, I, I read the story too and I'm like, oh, was this like a group of young men? Like whatever. Mm-hmm. No, these are like um, 32, 33, 44. Like these are wow. all the people who've been charged. Like talking about like mature aged people. Mm-hmm. Um, just like uh, uh, picking fights with policemen, um, you know, for, for stopping them from, they're not even protesting. They're just having a, having a drinking get together. I am so like, this is so silly. There's a lot of silly things going on right now. And I think ultimately like going a bit silly. Yeah. (laughs) We, we need to just see this situation and, and view it for what it is. Yes. Like I believe that in, in a sense, like, and, and we know as Christians, especially as people who read the Bible, that, uh, religious control and lack of religious freedoms and lack of freedom in general will will be an issue Mm -hmm. and is currently an issue in many places around the world. Um, but to target police officers with violent behavior, uh, is not definitely not the Christian solution, but it's not the moral solution either. Yeah, um, absolutely. You know, the cycle of redemptive violence just leads to more violence. Um, this is, you know, so clear as we look at history um, and any literature or stories or anything. Yeah. If you're not part of the solution, you're part of the problem. 100%. And so <laughs> I, you know, just out there, I, I guess I wanted to just share that quickly because I thought that, man, it's oh, it's time to stop. Just, mm. just stop. Uh, again, we're all for protesting, but let's, you know, Peaceful. as the Bible says in... Um, First Timothy chapter two, uh, it says, you know, um, I exhort thee first that you pray for all men, for kings, for people in high places, that you may lead quiet and peaceable lives. Um, you know, may we um, stand for religious freedom. May we pray for our leaders, um, but may we lead quiet and peaceable lives also. Good Amen. stuff. All right. Okay. I have some brief time. I wanted to talk about Roe versus Wade and the overturning of it. Essentially, what Roe versus Wade is, was in a, a landmark abortion case in the United States. States that essentially at a federal level said that abortion is the fundamental and legal right 
of any person wanting to get an abortion. Um, that there is no need for cause. Mm-hmm. There is no, you know, um, and now like the uh, dictating the terms of the, you know, when you're allowed to have that abortion and whatever it may be is up to the states itself. But inherently, fundamentally, at a federal level in the United States, abortion is the, the right of the person um, who is pregnant. Um, you know, there is no way that any other party, even the, the, the person who impregnated them can encroach on their right, um, to get an abortion if they so want to. Now, mm-hmm. um, many people, uh, as of recently have been pushing to overturn this. This was, um, a, a Supreme Court case that happened in 1973. Mm-hmm. Um, that has resulted in since then over 60 million abortions and up, uh, a couple of years ago in 2018, the CDC reported 600 abortions, uh, in that one, um, 600,000 abortions in that mm. one single year. And so, um, mm. it, it's an incredibly contentious ruling. It's something that personally I, I don't agree with. And now I don't necessarily want to get into my, my thoughts and the ins and outs of abortion. It's a very complicated issue. And, mm. and I stand heavily for support of, of women and, and for support of underprivileged people in this sense. But, um, you know, like when we see that less than 0.1% of abortions come from the perspective of, necessity mm-hmm. um and now it's just become a form of birth control um it's you know and we're talking about t- the taking of the lives of life of a human being of and human, human being. life is sacred and and dis- and ultimately what roe versus wade does is although it, it apparently gives the the person who is pregnant with the baby the right to take to to have an abortion it takes away the rights of the fetus itself that's true um which you know we identify as christians as life mm-hmm. uh, as you know and, that, and that's our our religious um and moral convictions and now uh, many people have gotten together the, the kind of headlining names at the moment is mike pence uh, ron ron mm. DeSantis, christy noem um getting together pushing this law um to be overturned in the supreme court um wow. they argued that is it is egregiously wrong um and that they hold up the right um they they hold up a right that has no basis in the U.S. Constitution. Um, furthermore, it's not just those guys. It's um, governors from Alabama, Arizona, Arkansas, Georgia, Idaho, Iowa, Missouri, Montana, Oklahoma, and Texas, who have also signed on to this push um, to have this overturned. Also, Senators Josh Hawley, Ted Cruz, who's a big name as well, yes, and Mike yes. League have filed similar briefs um, and a coalition of 230 members in Congress. And now, this is probably the best time in which they can do it um, because the Supreme Court is currently filled with a 6-3 to three, um, conservative majority. Mm-hmm. Um, so, people who would be inclined to overturn that. <laughs> and I guess we will, we'll, we will follow the story and see uh, what happens there. Very oh, interesting. I have just some small amount of time to talk about what's happening in the White House in the moment in terms of religious freedom. Now, yes. they have a dedicated religious freedom um, department in the White House, something that we kind of lack in Australia. And for the first time, an Islamic person has been put on that council. Usually wow. it's only been filled by Christians. Interesting. Now there is an is- uh, Islamic person. His name is Hussein Rashad. Uh, Rashad Hussein. And I think that this is fantastic. I think this is a really, really good thing. And I think Lyle would agree with me in the sense that religious freedom is only as valid as it is available to every religion. Mm. And to, you know, give this person a voice, um, you know, people who, like Islamic people who are it, it, very similar to, to us in many ways. Mm-hmm. I, I think this is a really, really great thing. And I think that uh, hopefully, you know, in the future, at least... 
in the near future, we can see some good result from this. Obviously, you know, crazy things are happening around the world and, and it will be seen how this will go. But uh, hopefully religious freedom in this sense is stood for. You're listening to The Breakfast Show Podcast on Faith FM. Positively different. All right, on the phone with us, we have a, a, a friend of mine, um, you know, f- a former Bible worker, current theology student, kind of sounds like myself. Um, Cullen, are you on the phone with us this morning? Yes, I am. I'm happy to be. How are you going, Lawson? Oh, just killing it, man. How are you doing? Yeah, not bad. Uh, woke up like half an hour ago, so ready to go. <laughs> oh, mate, up nice and early, you know, beautiful early start on this Monday morning. Um we're going to get into a bit of a journey of faith interview with you this morning. Hear your story of, um, yeah, how you come to God, how you kind of ended up in the place that you are now, uh, studying your degree at Avondale and whatnot. Um, and yeah, I guess my first question that I, I want to ask you is, is probably just about your beginnings. Where are you from? Oh, okay. So, um, currently I'm staying in Australia, mm-hmm. uh, but here in Kurenbong. Mm-hmm. But uh, I grew up in South Africa, so I'm from South Africa all the way down there. Yeah, and wow. uh, yeah, so I grew up as a Adventist there for my mm. years, for years, and then went from there basically. Awesome. So you grew up in South Africa. Actually, which which part of South Africa did you grow up in? Johannesburg, a little <laughs> town called Spring. Ah, Johannesburg. We had a, a former host on the show, Monica. She. Absolutely loves the place. I've never been to South Africa before, but I feel like it's definitely a place that you would need to see. Um, so you, you've grown up in Johannesburg. You mentioned that you came from a, a Christian family, an Adventist family. I would just, you know, want to hear from you. What was the kind of your coming to faith? You know, as, as you're growing up, Johannesburg, Adventist family, you know, what was your, your journey from there? Oh, uh, well. From there, um, so basically, uh, growing up in this church, obviously, you know, it's more about, like, I think for any person, when you grow up in the, in the church, it becomes from your parents' faith to your faith in that transition where you have to eventually mm. start taking on yourself. Mm. So, yeah, I grew up in Adventist family and, you know, went to church every week with them and it was good. But eventually, you know, started questioning things and started asking God and praying to God for answers, you know, about mm. future. But uh, eventually, it got to a point where, yeah, I just needed to make it my own faith. Mm. And, uh, yeah, so I remember one, I asked God if he could, you know, show me mm. my future. And a lot of us like to pray, like, you know, Lord, what's next for me? What's going to happen? What should I do, and uh, for the rest of my life, basically, because I was getting into that stage of my life in that school, like asking you to start selecting subjects, and you need to start deciding what you want to go into for the rest of your career as well. From that age, mm. so, would, you, yeah. would you say at that point that you were far from God? You know, where you were attending church, or you know, wh- where where were you at in that sense? So. At that time, uh, you know, I was, I loved God and everything. I was baptized when I was about 10, just before I turned 11. Oh, wow. Uh, mm. So, you know, I, I had a, a passion for it, but I didn't really understand the complete reasons for it. Mm. I had to obviously have the right information and stuff, but 
I felt I like I got baptized for the wrong reasons at mm. not at the time, of course, but I just thought like I had to be baptized to be saved. But it wasn't really a relationship thing I was doing for doing for God, I was doing for a sense of being saved. And then eventually, um, so they had a misunderstanding, you know, in the church, you don't really understand the whole situation. So, yeah. But anyways, I got to the point where um, I started fading away from God. I didn't like going to church anymore. I wasn't getting answers to my prayers. And then there was one evening when we were closing. Sabbath was a Saturday evening. And, um, yeah, my family was talking about all their prayers being answered. And I didn't really like it. And I was sitting back and I was just like, okay, I'm hearing all these prayers being answered. And then one of the prayers, it was kind of funny, um, but that's how serious I felt about it, was that my mom got a uh, prayer answered about her getting shoes. She mm. prayed for shoes. <laughs> she got these shoes. <laughs> so to me, I was like, Lord, those shoes are more important in my life, really. Come on. Um but yeah, I mean, just over accumulation about certain other things, like my parents' divorce and like um, mm. my, not having my father in my life, who also so grew up as an angry child. So there was a lot of things that added up into it. And eventually, uh, yeah, I would be going to church, but I wasn't there in my heart. So I basically, I hid the fact that I started um, from the age of 14, then I started drinking and doing such rebellious things and going out into the world and doing those kind of things. Mm. And just because I was just like, yeah, I'm done. My, my belief in God never faded. But that's what's worse about it because I knew it was right, but I still decided to do the wrong thing. Mm. The, so, I, I feel like it's a, a really common tale, um, like it's a really common story amongst people who grew up in the church that they can start to maybe feel a, a dissatisfaction when they're, you know, maybe they've made commitments to God, but things don't work out. And, and because of that incomplete picture of God, um, they can start to, to back away from him and engage in behaviors that, you know, previously they thought they would never really engage in. It seems like that's kind of what happened to you in your, in your, maybe your dissatisfaction and your disgruntlement, as you said. And of course you were facing some really serious life challenges with your parents divorcing and whatnot. It's like you started to, to fall into the allurements of the world, so to speak. Yeah, exactly. And that's exactly what happened. And every time as it progressed, it just got worse through my teen years mm. um, with the obviously substance abuses and such like that. And um, obviously you've got girls in life, you know, treating women wrongly and mm. degrading them and just, you know, using them as a pleasure rather than what they should be. Mm. And, uh, yeah, no, so doing all these things, but, like, obviously my family was never really because I hear I would still go to church and be that uh, hypocritical and put on, like, fake smile. But then straight afterwards, in the evenings, I'd be going out and partying and stuff like that. Mm. So, yeah, and uh, it got to a point where I think my family started realizing we weren't sure, but um, I had this friend, and people know, I don't know if on the air, but if everyone has been to Kingscliff Church or if they watch Kingscliff Church online, I'll know Quentin Bertrich, he's a pastor there. Mm. So he's another South African. And uh, he was also in South Africa at the time because he grew up in the same town I did. And uh, he, he became our pastor. And he started this youth ministry called PM Church. So it was a pastor in church where we'd get to know 
like talk about the we call it the elephant in the room topics. Yeah, well, that, um, the youth really have to like you know question like why shouldn't we drink or why is it good? Should I do it or shouldn't I do it? Why is it bad or why is it good? You know, actually going to the Bible and looking at those um, kind of topics like should we mark or pierce the bodies? Should we um, you know? Do drugs is it good for us? What is the Sabbath really? How should we really be keeping it, mm. and what it's really for? Um, but much of uh, good topics. And through that transition, I was going there. Um, I got involved in the music team, and and realized I had a gift there. God had given me that I had been using. And Quentin really knew how to put that. But with Quentin, he didn't. You know, where like I understand, like pastors have got a lot of jobs, a lot of people to be there for. But because Quentin and I had a friendship, he was he helped me through a lot of stuff where he was the one that knew most about everything. Mm. And uh, he just made sure that I was always there every week. He made sure I was he mentored me and I I volunteered, but he also made sure I had something to input and something to bring to help the ministry as well. Mm. So yeah. But um so through that That's process powerful. I would still be going to um PM Church, but straight after that, so we call it PM Church in the afternoon, four o'clock on the Sabbath. And after that, I was back up everything and then do the hip crit still. But there was one morning when I was about, what, 17, 18? I can't remember now. <laughs> um, you know, it was uh, 17. It was around October 19th, and I remember the day because I'll get into that why. Um, I woke up the next morning from one party and I just couldn't remember anything. And that was the first time like, I had gone too far. Mm. And I found myself looking in the mirror and I knew what I stood for inside, but I hadn't been living up to that. Mm. And then the question came to my mind, which my grandfather always used to say to me before I went up, and I never lived up to it until that, that point. He used to say to me, remember where you come from. Remember whose name you uphold and who you represent. Mm. And it hit me because it wasn't just a family context that he was actually saying to but actually as a God context of who do I represent? Whose name do I hold and who do I, you know, who do I believe in? So, yeah, and then I just looked in the mirror and I was like, you know what, uh, and the story we went through the day before was um, First Corinthians, I think it was 13 verse 11, when, the, when I became a man, I put away childish things. Mm. But to me, I put it in the context of Oh, I'm not a man. Mm. I'm busy with all the childish things. And um, from there, I, was just, I told my friends, like, I don't want to do this anymore. And I would be the one that would be initiating it all and making it happen and all my friends, you know. And some respected it. Some people thought it was stupid, as they, as they do. But I realized Jesus is cool. And the worldly things are just something that's not a part of it. Mm. So, and it's something that just never satisfies you. That's so powerful. Like you, you know, I can just identify in there the way that God worked through, you know, his word itself, Bible study, worked through the power of community with uh, Quinton. Um, and then furthermore, just touching your heart with conviction. Um, and just like, hey, look, this isn't this isn't the right thing to do. And obviously, you know, we're talking to you today because you 
responded. And so, you know, since you made that decision, hey, I want to put away childish things, I want to follow God, you know, what has that led you to now? Well, yeah, so once that happened, um, yeah, so, so today, I think, yeah, October this year, I'll be five years king of all substances. Amen. And, yeah, so that's a blessing, and um, I praise God for that as well. But eventually, so I wanted to go to, I heard about this thing arrive. So I found it on YouTube. <laughs> Funny enough, I was arrived in Australia. Mm. And I told my mom, I was like, hey, mom, I think I want to do this. And she was over the moon, of course. <laughs> mm. and, but she didn't want to force me into it. She knew she doesn't want to force me to do anything I didn't want to do. Um, but yeah, then the thought was, I was in year 12, like, should I be doing this? And then I had a friend that was actually in Australia doing it that year, in 2018. And he came back and told me all about it. And then at the end of the conversation him and I had, he said to me, it's three months to four months between you and God. And I was like, that's what I need. Mm. And then I still wasn't sure. And then one of the, I wouldn't say founders, but one of the co-founders, but he's no longer part of that now anymore. He's with, I think, amazing factor, James Rafferty. He came to do a, a camp meeting for us. And then I was speaking to him. My mom introduced me to him and then him and I went for a chat and um, yeah explained some other story and at the end of it he just told me like apply and you'll get in so I did and I got in and yeah my prayer that I had when I was 13, 14 that you know Lord where am I going to be you know I think we can really understand that sometimes we're not going to get answered and God's going to answer our prayers in an amazing way that we couldn't imagine and yeah I went to arrive I found God again, and uh, it was an amazing experience. One of the best experiences I've ever mm. had. And people don't understand, like you know, they'll hear a lot of people that come up from arrive and they'll maybe make some assumption of what the people are like or they are. But remember, each person is an individual person. You make of what it is. Mm. But for me, my year, the people I was with, I just felt absolutely loved for who I was and who I could become, and not who I used to be. Mm. And the community around you just helps you to grow if you're willing to put that effort in. And yeah, Quentin came across to Australia that same year as well. And then he ended up re baptizing, which was awesome. Wow. Um, so it all came together pretty well. And yeah, from there, I started Bible working. And then I started thinking, okay, do I really have an act for this? Do I really want to go into this? Um, so yeah, now I'm studying and trying to get through that. <laughs> yeah. So yeah, wow. God definitely led. What a journey. So you started out, you know, you're in and then you've you've had those issues. It's just like the hero's journey. You you know, you've gone out, you've struggled with sin and but God has led you to to overcome and now you've found your calling in you you're studying theology to be a minister and, and being able to to share the word of God with people on a full-time career basis. That's powerful, man. That's fantastic. Yeah, the funny thing is like you know you grow up and words like would you be a pastor? Never. Or like, would you do ministry? Never. And yeah, God really knows how to stump you. Wow. <laughs> you don't think, yeah, but no. But yeah, God's definitely worked in my life, and I'm sure He can work in anyone's life if they're willing to allow Him to. Mm. I mean, that's the other thing. It's like we really got to allow God to really step in mm. and take over. 
Cullen, thank you so much for sharing with us this morning. Powerful stuff of the way that God can come into a life and change it um, just in spite of their walking away from him. Thanks for being a part of the Faith FM family. Join our community on Facebook or get in touch at 1-800-FAITH-FM.